You know, I was thinking about we could put Pastor John up here and have somebody come tackle him. <laughs> okay, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, page 827. What is this thing called grace? We talk about grace a lot, but we need to really get a grip on grace because we're going to talk about something that Paul talks about, that sometimes we could receive grace in vain. What's that mean? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, just kind of have that open. This family moved to a new town and they were just trying to get settled and it was a couple days later. The dad had to go mail some letters and so he took these letters, he was walking down Main Street, he figured he'd find a post office on Main Street, couldn't find one. So there's a little boy walking down the street, he walked up and he said, uh, excuse me son, I'm looking for the post office. Can you tell me where it is? He said, yep, go two blocks down and turn left and you'll find it right there. He said, thanks. He says, uh, by the way, I'm the new pastor in town and I really want you to come to my church because I want you to hear about Jesus and know the way to heaven. And the little boy looked up and says, oh, shucks, mister, you don't even know where the post office is. Do you know the way to heaven? I want to I, I really come to grips with this today. Yesterday I was working uh, in someone's house and, and working in their basement and it was kind of a low ceiling. It was just about this tall, which was wonderful because as I was working in the rafters, I, I could reach everything. I didn't have to stand on a stool. And had my sawzall and man, did I have fun. I was just ripping out. I was having a lot of fun, but it was all right here. Well, this ceiling's a little different, isn't it? Imagine for a minute if God said, now, if you want to get to heaven, you got to touch that ceiling. Could you do it? But you can't use any equipment, can't stack up chairs, can't stack up pews. You just have to be with yourself, by yourself, and you got to jump to get that ceiling. Could you do it? No, nobody could do it. God knew that. It's why God said, you can't, so I did. See, we can't go up to heaven, so heaven had to come down. We can't get there by ourselves, so God had to come down in Jesus and take those sins to the cross so we could go there. And it has nothing to do with you earning your way. I have heard so many people over the years, when I ask them, how do you know you're going to heaven? They'll say this. Well, you know, I've led a pretty good life. Can that get you to heaven? No, it can't. See, that's like saying, I've led a pretty good life. I've done all these things. I'm a pretty good person. So that means it's all up to who? Me. Well, go ahead, jump up to that ceiling. Then, then we'll know you can really do it. But you can't. And so often we get kind of thrown because what grace is, is God coming here for you and me. Grace is, we didn't deserve it. In fact, God said he looked over the entire planet. Guess how many he found that were seeking him? Zero. Guess how many he found that never sinned? Zero. Not one. 
And yet, in spite of that, God came down for you and me. And it's amazing. That's what grace is. Now, turn to Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. I want you to read this with me. See that under chapter 2, right column, two-thirds of the way down, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Okay, does that say that you have to earn your way there? No, it says by grace, by grace you get there. And it's, is it from you? No, it says it's from God as a gift. And the only thing you can do is say, thank you for the gift. And sometimes we want to confuse this. Well, sometimes we think, well, you know, um, now I got to work my way and I got to be really good because I'm a believer and I got to be really good because I got to somehow work my way. And you know what? That's what Paul's going to talk about. That's grace in vain. But grace is when you receive it as God says, as a gift. Undeserved. But God wants to give it to you. Okay, now turn over towards the front of your Bible, just a couple of books, or the next book, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's on eight, page 819. Actually, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 6. Page 819. Now we've been studying with Paul, and Paul's been writing to this church in Corinth, and it has everything to do with what we just talked about. Because remember, Corinth was a place that was a lot like Las Vegas at night, and it was a magnet for everything bad. And so Paul went and brought God into that community, knowing, just like all of us, they didn't deserve it any more than any of us deserve it. And Paul brought Christ into that community. And he was teaching them, but they were all messed up. I mean, the church in Corinth had all kinds of issues. How many of you have taken the challenge and read some of Corinthians? Good. I'm going to encourage the rest of you. Read it. Because there were so many problems in the church from these new believers. There were divisions in the church. There was fighting in the church. There was arguing in the church. People were lining up towards different people. And here was my favorite one. They used to come to church early. And then they'd come up for communion uh, before church ever started. And they'd eat all the bread and get drunk. And then when it was time for communion, there was none left. And Paul's like, what are you doing? What, what are you doing that for? Those are some of the issues that were going on in the church in Corinth. And so Paul writes these words in chapter 6, verse 1. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Just pause there. Now, this was written to the church that was in Corinth. Now, are we gathered as a church? Absolutely. So could God be saying the same thing to us? Absolutely. I hope you'll take these to heart because God wants us to know that it is possible to receive grace in vain. Now, how do you do that? Two things. One, it's when God comes down and gives us forgiveness and shows his grace and gives us his grace and we take that grace and say to God, uh, thank you, but I'll work my way instead. I'll be good. And if I'm good, then because I'm good, then maybe you'll let me in. That's grace in vain. Then you never received grace. 
and you don't understand grace because you're trying to earn your way by the way you live. The second way to receive grace in vain is that when you, when you understand God gives you His grace, undeserved forgiveness, and then you say, all right, I'm going to go live the way that I used to live before I got that grace. Remember last week we called it BC living, before Christ in your life. If you receive God's grace, like the church in Corinth did, and then they went out and they kept doing the same things, that's grace in vain. Because then God says, well, what did you do with that grace? Nothing. Because when grace comes in, it starts to change us. That's what grace does. Grace never allows you to stay in the same place. It is always going to challenge you to become more Christ-like. Not trying to earn your way, just as a response to what God did. All right, with that in mind, I want you to turn one more place. We're going to study through this now. Romans, the book before Corinthians. Romans chapter 6. When Paul was in Rome, he was, he was writing. In fact, Paul wrote most of all of his letters right towards the end of his life. And there was a church that was meeting in there in Rome. And as we read through this Romans chapter 6, you'll start to get the feel that Paul was probably thinking about the, those in Corinth when he wrote to the church in Rome because of the issues that he's addressing. So even though we read it in Romans, it's probably addressing also what he saw happening in Corinth. Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Well, no, what does that mean? Do you realize that when you sin, let's just say you sin, this is the level of sin that you sin. Do you realize that God's grace is greater to cover that sin? You don't deserve it, but God shows grace. If you sin this much, God's grace is up here. If you sin this much, God's grace is up here. In other words, there's nothing you can do that God's grace can't forgive. And some of you have been holding on to those sins thinking God can't, God can't forgive you. But you need to know that God's grace is bigger, higher than anything you could ever do. And so this is why he's reasoning with the church in Rome saying, okay, so I got a good idea. He says, how about we all sin more so we get more of God's grace? And that's ludicrous. No, that's not how it works. God doesn't want us to sin more intentionally just so we get more forgiveness. But the fact is when you sin more, God does forgive us. So he goes on and he starts to explain what he means here. Verse uh, two here. By no means, when we, we died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, what does that mean? Uh, it was really fun having baptisms this morning because it really helps to illustrate this. But if we would go back to 100 AD and read the writings, the earliest writings we have, they said the first choice for baptizing is take uh, whoever's getting baptized down to the river like John, and submerge them under living water, flowing water. If you can't do that, then take a bucket, 
fill it up with living water, bring it to the person, and pour it over them. That's what we just did. This is living water from wells underground. We tapped into living streams underwater. Third, take them to a dead body of water, like a pond or lake, submerge them. If you can't do that, scoop up some water, bring it to the person, and pour it over the person. So the avenue that we baptize doesn't matter. But what's missing when we pour water over is the significance of what God meant by baptism. The significance is this. If you take a child, any one of these two kids, or any one of us, and put us underwater and held us there, what would happen? It would kill us, right? But if you hold a person down long enough and then let them go, when they come up, what are they going to do? <gasps> take a deep breath. Then they'll probably kill you. But that's, the, that's besides the fact. They're going to take this big breath of air. And what God wanted us to understand is that when we enter into a relationship, into this covenant with God, God says that old person in us has to be drowned. And when we come back up, it's new life, just like he gave to Adam, the breath of life. And he wants us to kill that old and then let the new person in Christ live. The new person is the one who lives by grace, who lives by faith, who lives as a follower of Christ. But without that, we want to live, we all want to live the way the old one was. Can I just do my own thing? Can I decide what I want for right and wrong? Can I do whatever I want to do? Can I make my own rules? And if I do become a follower of Christ, can I earn my way? Can I be really good, God, so that you'll look at me with favor and earn my way? That's all the old. God says, would you bury it once and for all? But that new person or that old person keeps resurrecting. Okay, now, I want you to jump down for a minute to verse 11. We'll go a little bit deeper in this. In the same way, for you and I, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Count yourself dead to sin. I was thinking in my own life, how can I illustrate this? How can I help you understand? What do you mean dead to sin, alive to God? Well, since I've come to Messiah, I've packed on about 20 pounds. That's a lot. And I decided, new year, new year, I'm going to have a resolution. I'm going to start losing some of that weight. Except I got a problem. My problem is, is I like to snack. So my mantra is, is dead to snacks, alive to vegetables. Okay? Now, just follow me on this. I know it's silly, but you'll get it. And there's this constant battle between snacks and vegetables. Because I really want snacks, but I really need vegetables. And so, like yesterday, I was good. I had a bowl of spaghetti, not too big, at someone's house. And I went home, and guess what I was thinking about all the way home? The brownies on the counter. And I, as soon as I got home, I swear they were calling. And I went and I ate a brownie, then a second brownie, then a third brownie, then a fourth brownie. Those brownies aren't dead, let me tell you. They're alive. 
They're alive. They call me. Okay, so then I had to be alive to vegetables. So we watched a movie last night. You know, popcorn and movies go hand in hand, right? Well, get this. I was eating cauliflower watching a movie. It might have looked like popcorn. It wasn't. <laughs> now, just follow me. Which one am I drawn naturally to? The brownies. But this is what I need to do. This is what I should be alive to and I should be killing this. And so if this war continues in me, I can promise you now, in about three months from now, I'll tell you I did a great job on my diet. I packed on 20 more pounds. <laughs> Why? Because this is what I want to do. Now, there's an answer for this. Besides saying no and saying no to sin, I got to do something in the middle here too. I've been exercising. I like to run. I love to run. And so I'm running again. I'm up to three miles, having the time of my life, and I'm running. But you see, I have to run and exercise and get stronger to help me say no. So I can say yes. And without the exercising, I'm in trouble. Now, God started messing with me this week about, okay, let's, let's apply this spiritually. Naturally, every one of us are going to keep sinning and sinning and sinning, and God's grace is going to keep covering, covering, covering. But God says, can we do something about this? Say no to sin, say yes to God. But God knows that battle's already lost. So God says, then start exercising your faith. Start growing and growing up in your faith. God says, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That means we exercise it. We get up early. We spend time with God. We enter into that relationship with God. It means that we spend time exercising my faith so that when this comes along, I can say, I really want you brownies, but I'm going to settle for cauliflower instead. Or I exercise my faith, so I say, I really want to do that sin. But this is what God wants me to do. Why? So I can earn my way to heaven? No. Then you miss grace. But let's see what God says, okay? Now, jump down to verse 12. Therefore, there's that word. We always pay attention when God says therefore. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Do you understand why God wants us to say yes to this living? It said it, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life in response to the grace given you. God says, say no, just say no. 
and say yes to God every day. Now, you know what the cool thing about today was? The brownies were yesterday. So this morning, I had a bowl of cereal, not brownies. Except I got a problem, I gotta go home. But I'm gonna do my best, especially after telling you, I don't wanna say yes to brownies. But do you see the correlation here? You are probably battling, if you're not battling, friends, I'll tell you what, if you're not battling, you're probably just walking this way naturally. Just going, yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. I'll live any way I want to. That's grace in vain. It's also grace in vain if you say, God, look at me. I'm doing all these good things and I'm getting closer to heaven because I'm doing all these good things. That's grace in vain. But grace, the grace of God, is when we say, thank you, God, that you have come down and forgiven me and took me from death to life. And I'm thankful and I need your help. That's grace. And I do it because of God and no other reason. So that God is honored the way that we live our life. But the cool thing is, you start new today. You start new every day. Even if you said yes, today's a new day to say no. Why? So we can honor this God. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for the grace that you've given to us, this undeserved merit, this undeserved favor. We don't deserve any of it, God. We can't do it without you. Lord, help us to live the lives that you want us to live, not to earn our way to heaven, but in gratitude and thankfulness and in response to what you've already done for us. May we live as people of grace and forgiveness. In Jesus' name we pray and God's people said, amen.